Welcome to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answers. I'm your host, Dr. Onit Lev, an emergency and addiction doctor who has served at the White House and still practices on the front lines. Right here on High Truths, you will learn from experts from around the globe and around all aspects of drugs and addiction. Come visit me on hightruths.com to learn more about the show or download a free prescription for naloxone. Carrying naloxone for drugs is like carrying an EpiPen for allergies. Today's episode is sponsored by Isaac, the International Academy on the Science and Impact of Cannabis and Families Against Fentanyl. Visit Isaac at IASIC1.org to follow the science on marijuana and visit familiesagainstfentanyl.org to sign the petition to attack the supply of illicit fentanyl and declare it a weapon of mass destruction. Hello, and welcome to season four of High Truths on Drugs and Addiction. I absolutely love being with you and hosting this podcast because I learn something new from every one of my guests. Every conversation brings me and you new insights. Can you believe that we're already at 157 conversations with fascinating people? Wow, I'm amazed. But more importantly, the conversations we have lead to action, drug policies, and solutions. Talk is great. But as the saying goes, action speaks louder than words. Keeping with our high truth traditions, this first episode of season four will be just me sharing with you my monologue for the year. But don't worry, we have a full season ahead with incredible guests that I know you will enjoy. And here are some of the things that I want to share with you today. First, some information about the podcast, then a review of unintentional overdose data, I'll reflect on 2023 and hopes for 2024 and beyond. And finally, solutions. There are real solutions to end the death and destruction from drugs. I want to share what I would do for our nation, not just for the drug crisis, but for the health of our nation. And now let me tell you some highlights of the podcast. High Truths is like a master's class on addiction, and each of you listening could easily earn a degree on the subject. In fact, some of you are. There are master students at San Diego State University and pharmacy students at the University of California, San Diego, who use High Truths episodes for education. I looked into getting you continuing medical education credits for listening to the podcast, but it was too expensive. So for now, you get free education, but no credits, unless you attend one of these institutions that utilizes High Truths as curriculum. Last year, we had amazing education. We learned about all types of drugs, from fentanyl and methamphetamine, to cannabis and psychedelics, vaping and kratom. We talked about social norms, pre-addiction, addiction medicine, recovery, new medication innovations, lawsuits, public health, public safety, drug testing, drugs as a weapon of mass destruction, and even what the Bible's views are on drugs and alcohol. This year... 2024, we have another incredible lineup of experts for interesting and educational conversations. 
One thing you may notice differently in season four is that I will not include an audio recording of listener questions. Instead, I will incorporate your questions in selecting guests. So please keep sending me your questions and I'll get the answers without needing you to record your question. Thanks to you, High Truths has nearly 70,000 downloads and is ranked in the top 20 of addiction podcasts. But more importantly, as I've said before, the conversations have led to connections and action. That is what's so awesome about High Truths, and you are part of that. You may be curious who you are as listeners of High Truths. Most of you are from the United States, with California ranking number one, followed by Vermont and Pennsylvania. Interestingly, some of you are tuning in from Australia, Canada, United Kingdom, Israel, India, Ireland, Bangladesh, Denmark, and Germany. And wherever you are listening from, I am deeply grateful to you and thank you for growing this audience and message. You can keep growing the community by giving the show a five-star review. The five stars go a long way in promoting the podcast. Now, let's talk data. Data usually sounds boring, but drug data is not boring. It's tragic, it's unconscionable, it's unacceptable, but not boring. The CDC provisional data for the 12-month period before June 2023 is predicted at nearly 112,000 people who have died. More accurately, 111,877. But it's a crazy number. 300 people a day, 13 people an hour. I've heard some points of view of celebrating that the numbers, although high, are at a plateau flattening the curve. I am not celebrating 300 deaths a day. A flat curve remains outrageous. I believe it reflects a maximum number of people susceptible to drug death. It's a ceiling, not an improvement. Remember the good old days when people were dying of prescription opioids? Doctors, including myself, were bashed for overprescribing. Pharmaceutical companies were villainized and the public demanded action. Prescribing opioids for pain is what we as medical professionals were trained to do and even legislatively pushed to doing so. But, but it was too much. With good intentions, people died. I'm proud to be part of ending the opioid prescription epidemic. Policies were passed, lawsuits were filed, and the medical community responded with safe prescribing focused on the supply side of the problem. Way back in 2013, when deaths were raging from prescription overdoses, we were at less than half the number of unintentional overdoses that we have today. That's why I sarcastically call it the good old days. Now I want to reflect on last year, 2023, and set some goals for the upcoming year. High Truths will continue conversations and connections that lead to education and action. That's the talk. But as I mentioned, I'm not just into talking. I'm an emergency physician at the core, and I'm about action. I'm very proud to have written legislation on fentanyl testing that received bipartisan support and no opposition in California. It's now law in Maryland and Pennsylvania. And looking ahead, Senator Liu in California is working with a bipartisan coalition to bring Tyler's law on fentanyl testing to the federal level. I'm also working on legislation on cannabis. We started small, thinking we let's pick something that's not controversial. Working with Dr. Lynn Silver and getting it right from the start, we thought product labeling and warning would be simple. 
you know, warning like we have on tobacco, on alcohol, and warning before flashing lights are shown in movies. We were wrong. The California Senate and governor shot down cannabis labeling legislation. So last year, we gave up on the labels and decided to protect babies. Who wouldn't believe in protecting babies? We had data showing the number of poisoning of children from cannabis-based candies. Every single day, children under the age of five end up in the emergency department due to marijuana. These kids are not laughing or giggling. They are encephalopathic in the ICU, some even on a ventilator. Why does our society need weedos that look like Cheetos and marijuana candies targeted at children? Who would be against protecting babies? Sadly, public health got shut down again last year in California. Cannabis profits were more important than child welfare. This year, we will try again. More children are getting poisoned at home and at school, and something must change. In addition to protecting kids, we should protect adults. The number of adults over the age of 65 ending up in the emergency department in California because of marijuana has gone up over 1,800%. The legislation I wrote, sponsored by Senator Dixon in California, is aimed at warning labels on prescription medications. We couldn't get the warning on the cannabis, so let's get it on the prescription. There are over 500 prescription medications that interact with CBD and over 300 that interact with THC. We did a study that found that the public and pharmacists believe this information is important. People want warning labels on prescriptions, similar to warning labels on medications that say don't use with alcohol or don't take with grapefruit juice. Let's see how it goes in 2024, and maybe you can help us with that legislation. Last year and this year, my schedule is packed with speaking engagements from national venues to the United Nations Commission on Narcotic Drugs and even Eish HaTorah Religious Institution in Jerusalem. I enjoy educating on the science and what we see in the emergency department and inspiring people to take action to protect and advocate for their own local community. Now let's discuss solutions. I have no doubt that there is a solution to the drug crisis. We may not be able to end all addiction, but we can reduce the death toll and resolve the crisis. It can be done. The United States 2023 budget for drug policies includes a record $42.5 billion. That's a lot of money, but all that money is not moving the needle. Why? I'll tell you. The money is not being allocated in the right proportions to prevent addiction. The messaging about drugs has moved to normalize use rather than protect the brains of the next generation of Americans. Let's talk about the supply of drugs. Drug supply matters. It matters a lot. There's a cliche, we won't arrest our way out of the crisis, and the war on drugs failed. There are partial truths to the cliche. We don't need jails full of people who are dealing weed. However, the other extreme is equally wrong. Open drug markets, open drug use, loss of deterrence for drug dealing, that has resulted in increased drug use and deaths. It has even expanded to open drug use in front of children and marketing drugs to kids. That's why I support Families Against Fentanyl's mission in declaring fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction. 
to curb the supply at the upstream level. But we also need measured deterrence in drug dealing downstream. When people claim compassion to drug dealers and advocate for little or no consequences, they are not being compassionate. They're being cruel. Cruel to the victims and cruel to the dealers by taking away motivation and opportunity for them to change and improve their health and welfare. On the demand side, we're investing in prevention, treatment, recovery, and the new category of harm reduction. I support all those strategies and programs, but we need the right balance in order to save more lives. Like the cliche of we will not arrest our way out of the problem, we're also not going to naloxone or buprenorphine our way out of the problem. Let's study history. Tobacco use was at its peak in 1963 when 42% of the United States smoked. Today, it's down to 11.5%. That's an incredible achievement. What happened? Smoking was stigmatized. Kissing a smoker is like kissing an ashtray. Today, it's not cool to smoke. There was a large campaign to assist tobacco cessation. We help with nicotine addiction. And there's also a large campaign in preventing tobacco use in youth. Investing in youth. That's what resulted in the greatest decrease in tobacco consumption. That's the key. Now let's look at the prescription opioid problem. The problem started by pushing opioids on Americans for all pain issues. The medical community, including me, were the drug dealers. How did we end the problem? There were two parts of the population that needed attention. The patients who were on a bucket of medications, that was the back end, and we needed to keep those people alive. They were dying. And there was a new generation of Americans that were not using opioids, but we needed to prevent them from becoming addicted to pain pills. That was the front end. Treatment and keeping people alive is important. But we did not treat our way out of the prescription opioid crisis, the back end. The opioid prescription crisis was averted by the front end, primary prevention, preventing use in people who have not yet been exposed to opioids. Today, that's what's missing in our drug policy approach. The majority of the emphasis and dollars are going towards treatment and harm reduction, the back end. Not enough is being invested in the front end or preventing the next generation from becoming addicted. Focus on this population will make the greatest impact to saving lives in the long term. Drug prevention now means naloxone, buprenorphine, needle exchange, fentanyl test strips. We lost the emphasis of life skills, emotional resiliency, and primary drug prevention. Addiction starts in middle school. It's a pediatric disease, and we need to bring back education at grade school and middle school. Instead, children are getting the message of destigmatized drug use, normalized drug use, and commercialization of new emerging cannabis drugs and psychedelic drugs. The FDA is not testing these new commercialized drugs on rats or mice. Our children have become the lab rats for these new drugs with deadly consequences. Our society has failed its primary duty of protecting children. What would I do if I was in charge? I had that dream before with the opioid prescription crisis. I believed I had the right formula for the solution. And I'm very thankful to have worked on the solution as chief medical officer at the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. 
We ended the opioid prescription crisis by tackling supply and promoting safe prescribing. While I'm grateful that that prescription problem was solved, sadly, now we have a worse crisis with fentanyl. My strategy today has changed as the drug supply and society has changed. I take the perspective of a medical physician. The three-step tragedy would tackle one, mental health, two, trust in medicine and science, and three, drug prevention. Number one, mental health. Our current Surgeon General emphasizes mental health, which I agree is very important. But I would take a different approach to the remedy. I believe the core to good mental health is more internal rather than external. Good mental hygiene starts before birth in utero by protecting the unborn child from drugs. Studies have shown that mothers who use drugs when pregnant have children with more anxiety and depression. The Surgeon General emphasized connection with others, a very respectable goal, but people need to be able to manage stress internally. Children should have pride in who they are, regardless of color, faith, or family. No shame or accusations or derogatory privilege. They should have pride in country. The United States has the greatest melting pot and land of opportunity than anywhere in the world. Kids and adults have a better chance of better mental health when they like themselves and their country. Life can be hard, so pride in self and country, as well as learning life skills, can help decrease depression and anxiety. Number two is trust in medicine and science. We need to restore the trust in medicine and science. I've invested many years in studying and practicing medicine, and I believe in the profession, and I'm very proud to have two daughters in the new generation of physicians. There have been incredible innovations in medicine that make people live longer. And at the same time, we must acknowledge that there have been medical mistakes, for example, pushing high-dose opioids on the population. There are risks and benefits to any treatment, and to deny those risks is lying. We can't pretend that vaccines have no side effects. Everything has side effects. And we need to share the data and allow for informed decision-making. I see a corrosion in the field of medicine. People do not know who or what to believe, and medical professionals are burnt out. Some patients have lost trust in traditional medicine and are going towards misleading advertisements of natural alternatives that have no FDA testing or approval. I see those patients, sadly, in the emergency department. Instead of declaring health misinformation a public health crisis and hiding information, we need increased information and transparency. And number three is drug prevention. Fentanyl is our public health crisis of our times, and the solution must include major reduction in supply and restoring emphasis on primary prevention. In terms of supply, we must deal with the international threat as well as the domestic one. Internationally, we have fentanyl and methamphetamine, and domestically, we have legal marketing of all sorts of products to children and to the public with no FDA or consumer protections. In terms of demand, addiction treatment, medication innovations, clean needles, naloxone are essential for the section of the population that is susceptible. We need to keep people alive. But this will not stop the bleed or stop the pipeline of people who increasingly need treatment. To prevent greater deaths, we must place more focus upstream and on our youth. Today the issue is fentanyl, tomorrow may be something else. 
Preventing deaths from fentanyl means going upstream and looking at youth exposed to marijuana. Most people today who die from fentanyl started priming their brain and dopamine needs with marijuana. Going upstream from marijuana means teaching skills on dealing with life's adversities without drugs. Primary prevention means protecting the brain until age 25 from all addictive chemicals. That's possible. And more and more of our youth are making that decision to protect their brain. Drug overdoses are preventable. Addiction is treatable. And there is hope in our future. I am looking forward to more high truths in 2024. Together, we will learn from experts. And I love that you take what you learn here on high truths and implement it in your professional and personal lives. You make a difference. I'm inspired by you people who share their stories and advocacies. I take my guidance from you and especially from parents whose children have been victim of drugs. You are my moral compass. Bit by bit, together we will make the world a little better and I wish you a happy and healthy 2024 with a little bit more High Truths. Thank you for listening to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction where national experts bring you facts and answers. This week's episode would not be possible without the generous support of our sponsors. A sincere and warm thank you to Isaac, the International Academy on the Science and Impact of Cannabis and Families Against Fentanyl. Our producer is Dave Rivas from Davey Boy Productions. I'm your host, Dr. Ronit Love. We hope we brought your day a little bit more high truths.